This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, I'm Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And for the second morning on the run, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Matt Addison. But before me and Matt talk, you've read all the headlines. Uh, today marks the 31st anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster in which 96 Liverpool fans lost their lives. Public services have been postponed due to concerns surrounding coronavirus, but the city will still see poignant acts in tribute to the innocent men, women and children who died as a result of the 1989 disaster. Liverpool City Council will lower the flags to half-mast on the Cunard Building, Town Hall and St George's Hall. The bells of the Town Hall will also chime through the quiet streets of Liverpool City Centre. At Anfield, where plans had been in place for a final public service, a reef will be laid on behalf of everyone at Liverpool FC at the Hillsborough Memorial. And Jurgen Klopp, his players and his staff will take part in a minute silence at six minutes past three. The time the FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest at Hillsborough was stopped on April 15 in 1989. Club flags will also be flown at half-mast. And between 3pm and 3.10pm, the big screen outside Lime Street Station will display the words, Never Forgotten. Matt, we'll start with a story on the Liverpool Echo website from our chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle, uh, about how much it will cost Liverpool if the Premier League returns without supporters in the ground, as is now expected. Yeah, it's a, a big story really from from yesterday. Liverpool potentially could lose up to the twelve and a half million pounds from the four league games that will be affected if if these games, as we expect, are played behind closed doors and without fans. Of course, that means match day revenue. It means hospitality tickets are refunded, and any fans who have already bought tickets for the rest of this season um, will get a refund on on those tickets. Obviously, it's a, a very expensive. Thing for for individual fans and, and the club will have no choice in that matter. So, yeah, twelve and a half million is is sort of the the base figure that we expect Liverpool to lose from this. At least twelve and a half million pounds is, is obviously going to have an impact on on Liverpool's accounts. But look, Liverpool in in this particular regard are going to, to be affected more than most. Obviously, Anfield is a much bigger stadium than the vast majority of other Premier League clubs and, and clubs further down the the pyramid as well but uh, yeah Liverpool are, are in a position where financially they can cope and look at even clubs like Bournemouth might have a, a much smaller stadium but they're much more reliant on this ticket revenue and, and match day revenue that comes in so so Liverpool this this will be a blow and, and we're going to talk later on in, in the podcast about some of the, the knock-on effects of the coronavirus and this isn't certainly isn't a positive story for Liverpool to be losing this amount of money but you know they they will be able to cope and, and they will get through it. The worry really is that with some other clubs, if you apply the same logic to them, they may not be able to cope with it as, as well as Liverpool will. And you know we we always talk about television money and, and that sort of side of it being so significant, and that is absolutely true. But I think this story is just a reminder, really, that, that match day revenue and the number of fans that you get inside the stadium and the amount of sort of shirts and scarves and whatever else in terms of merchandise you can sell, that is still important, even though the, the TV money is, is absolutely colossal these days. Even for a club the size of Liverpool, that's that's a lot of money to lose. But 
What we do know for a fact that Liverpool are committed to using their own funds now to pay all of their staff 100% of their wages during this period of ongoing uncertainty after performing that U-turn on their, their original decision to use the government furlough scheme. You can see the the emotive reaction it caused around here in Merseyside. And, and as the days go by, Matt, it does feel like a bit of a watershed moment for Premier League clubs, if not football clubs across the board, given the disparity in finances from clubs in the top flight to, to ones lower down the, the pyramid. And I say watershed because there's been further developments overnight concerning and Bournemouth and, and another Premier League club before those. Yeah, Tottenham, of course, uh, earlier a few days ago, they reversed their furlough decision and, and Bournemouth have, have now done the same thing, which I think the the Tottenham one wasn't a massive surprise. I think the the time it took them to, to make that decision was was slightly longer than obviously what Liverpool did it. They Liverpool I think deserve a bit of credit for, for doing it so swiftly. Tottenham deserve credit for doing it and now Bournemouth have followed suit as you say overnight. So yeah, I think certainly for, for Liverpool and for Tottenham there was a fair bit of criticism. It, it didn't look great for them. Um, obviously, you know, some of the, I think both clubs will be sort of in, certainly in the top 20 richest clubs in the world, if not, you know, slightly higher up in that list. And it didn't look great for them to be relying on a government scheme for, you know, what was intended to be small businesses who, who may go out of business because of what's happening at the moment. So it wasn't a great look. I think for, for Bournemouth, wasn't probably well there definitely wasn't as much criticism aimed at them I think you know the, their financial situation is is well known it's you know obviously the, the Premier League money and that sort of thing is is significant and they do have a significant amount of money but nowhere near what Tottenham and Liverpool have so it, it, it's an interesting one in terms of as you say Bournemouth seems to have followed in, in Tottenham and Liverpool's precedent and, and sort of followed on from what they've done but I think it, it now puts a bit of pressure on the other two clubs who've who've made that decision and not yet reversed it. One of those being Newcastle United, of course, who are in the the middle of a takeover bid. We understand that you know from from what you read, that's actually going to happen this time, which is is very interesting. So they've sort of got that to, to think about first and foremost before they start to think about anything else. And then the other the other club is Norwich, who are, are probably placed in a, a difficult situation now because. You know, they again they they don't have a huge amount of money. They're probably similar in stature to Bournemouth. Um, didn't really spend anything when they came up last summer because you know, they didn't have the the financial power to to be able to do that. And you know, they went down a, a more cost effective route and and tried to to save money where they could just in case they went down this season, which it looks like they're going to. So yeah, for for Norwich, I think you know they'll be. You know, I think a few eyes will turn to them now to, to sort of see whether they follow in Bournemouth's footsteps because, uh, yeah, I think look, when, when Liverpool and Tottenham reversed that decision, it wasn't a huge surprise. But certainly Bournemouth for me is, is a slight shock in that they are a smaller team. And I think there was, generally speaking, in the football community, a, a bit more of a, an understanding as to why they've done that. It does make you wonder, clubs like Norwich, for instance, say if they also reverse the decision, then have to make cost savings elsewhere. You know, certainly if they were to be relegated for if and when the season resumes, like they would sell some of their rising stars as Todd Cantwell and Max Aaron's uh, to, to recoup some of the money. Obviously, they would they would lose, particularly if they went down to to go on top of all the money that clubs are going to lose given this situation. But the more and more as the weeks go by, 
the more and more you wonder about what impact this is going to have on the transfer market. And we're going to talk about two stories in that directly links to that now, Matt. And the first one comes from comments by Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher overnight on Instagram, a Q&A session he's held. Uh, and it, they're now being picked up by news outlets across the world. And, and one deal involves Liverpool in particular. Yeah, obviously we we know that, that Timo Werner has has been a player that's been linked with Liverpool for a long time now, and and yeah, Jamie Carragher has sort of voiced the concerns that a few people have started to have that the coronavirus could maybe put a stop to that. Certainly for for this summer, maybe it will push back that deal maybe into January or, or the next summer as well. And uh, yeah, it, the suggestion is that you know clubs are, are not going to want to spend big amounts of money. Obviously, with all the uncertainty, no one really knows where the land lies ahead of the, the summer transfer window. The uh, the sort of reasoning and, and explanation at the moment is that you know clubs are, are losing a lot of money. The transfer market is going to have to align and, and sort of or realign, I should say. And, and you know, transfer fees I think are going to come down this summer, but it's a case of how much do they come down and. Certainly with, with Werner, the situation is, you know, with that reported release clause of, of about £50 million before, you know, all the, the coronavirus delay and the, and the postponement, that would have been really good value, I think. But Liverpool just maybe can't take that risk at this moment in time because no one knows where transfer fees are going to end up. £50 million this summer might be, you know, it might have been the equivalent of 100 or 150 last summer. You know, we, we just don't know exactly how the situation is going to pan out. So certainly if that reported release clause is correct and it does expire this month, I think just because of what's happened and, and all the uncertainty, it would be too big a risk for Liverpool to, to strike that deal at this moment in time. And so then you are you are looking at, you know, going back when the summer transfer window does open potentially um, but then you know the, the fee could be very very different there could be certain different factors that come into play and you know obviously if the, the release clause by that point has expired then suddenly rather than the power being with the buying club it, it's all with the selling club and, and Leipzig would have a lot more control over where he went and, and cost that, that it, he went for so you know he's obviously a top quality player 27 goals this season but yeah, at this stage, I think there's there's too much risk for Liverpool to be committing to spending huge amounts of money in the transfer market. And you know, as we're going to talk about in just a second, it it probably wouldn't look great for them to be doing so either, given the current climate. No, you're exactly right, and that does follow on uh, lead on, I should say, to our last story. It's it's reporting the Liverpool Echo sister paper, the Mirror, and we all know that. Premier League players are in negotiations. Some like Southampton have already started to take a pay cut to help offset some of those drastic and concerning losses clubs will make. But as the Mirror rightly points out, if players were to make a wage cut, uh, take a wage cut, it, it would look terrible if if clubs then said, OK, we've saved some money there, now let's go spend £30-40 million on a new striker. Yeah, I mean, they, they cite Arsenal as, as being the, the example. I know John Cross covers them quite extensively and he's he's the one who's, who's written that story. And yeah, Arsenal trying to, to get a 12.5% pay cut for their for their players. But, you know, it, there's been a, a bit of a mixed reaction amongst the Arsenal players by all accounts. And, and that seems to have come from the fact that they're saying, well, why should we take a 12.5% pay cut, you save a load of money, and, and then bring in loads of new players for... 50, 60 million pounds in the summer. It, it just wouldn't look right. And 
you know, when you combine that with the, the furlough schemes that, that clubs have been placing their staff on and things like that, you know, you can't, on the one hand, be saying, oh, we've got no money and, and we need to, to be saving everywhere we can and, and then the next minute be spending £50, £60 million pounds on, on one player. And, you know, of course, that £50, £60 million is only on the, the transfer fee. There's, you know, agents' fees, there's, there's loads of other things that come with transfer deals and, and they are much more expensive than, than that advertised one-off price tag that you pay for, for the actual player himself. So it, it does, it, it raises a lot of questions, I think, over, you know, the, the sort of the future of, of the transfer market and that sort of thing. Because if clubs now are going to commit to their players and say, look, we're not going to spend big this summer, they are still going to make moves in the transfer market. And you know, I would imagine that the number of deals taking place will, will probably be broadly the same as what it has been in the past. But those transfer fees will come down. And it, I think the, the next question we have to answer is is whether that's a one-off or, or will this be a bit of a realignment for the long term, at, at least for this summer? I think probably for January as well, the, the, the market will not have got back to normal just yet, particularly if there's a sort of delayed start to next season and, and the knock-on effect that that might have. But you know, this this could quite realistically be the end of, of huge fees for for the time being. Certainly, it, it will be in the short term. And it, it's, it's going to be really interesting, not just this summer, but maybe for the next three or four summers to, to see quite how transfer fees go and I think it's it's going to take some adjustment from fans and, and from clubs as well because we might see players that ordinarily could have gone for 150, 200 million, maybe going for for half that, maybe for even less. Who knows? Um, and you know, that's going to be okay because it, it's it's going to you know filter down and, and be across every player. You know, you might sell someone for for less than what you would have thought you were going to, but then you'll be able to buy a replacement for less as well. So. It's just a case of, of getting used to it and the way we report on transfer deals and the way that people read about them and, and consume those transfer speculations is going to change for, for quite some time, I think. Matt, thanks as always for joining me on this podcast and thanks as always to the listeners wherever you are in the world. Have a great day and we'll be back in the morning. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.